Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You're listening to The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It is uh, four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. Eastern time here on the East Coast of the United States on Tuesday. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to or watching The Steve Malzberg Show. Big, big day today. Donald Trump, along with his attorneys, of course, uh, appeared in uh, a D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, a three-judge panel, hearing arguments from Jack Smith's people, the uh, the government's people, and from Donald Trump's lawyers uh, about whether or not Donald Trump's claim of um, immunity as president holds any water. There's a one of the cases Donald Trump's facing is due to start on uh, March 4th, and it's the case involving the federal case involving his uh, quote unquote attempt to overthrow the election and 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 all that kind of stuff so he claims ever anything he did during that time period he was president so he can't be prosecuted for anything that he did as president in other words the president would have immunity under the law for just about anything which i find to be kind of ridiculous on the other hand if a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do. And then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um okayed drone strikes against american citizens overseas he could be prosecuted for murder i mean this opens up a whole can of worms um pandora's box i think is the term that uh, that trump used now where do we go well first let's listen to what donald trump said um after it was over and then we'll get to a very interesting exchange between one of the uh, judges and by the way Two of the three female judges on the panel, Biden appointees, one, a George W. Bush appointee. But I want you to listen, first of all, to Donald Trump. Here is cut 114. I think it's very unfair when a opponent, a political opponent, is prosecuted by the DOJ, by Biden's DOJ. Uh, So they're losing in every poll. They're losing in almost every demographic. Numbers came out today that are uh, really very mind-boggling if you happen to be Joe Biden. And I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. And that's not the way it goes. That'll be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad precedent. As we said, it's the opening of a Pandora's box. And that's a very, that's a very sad thing that's happened with this whole situation. Uh, when they talk about... Uh, threat to democracy that's your real threat to democracy he's absolutely see he's absolutely right on that absolutely right and now by the way we have reports uh, in one of the trump cases not only is the the uh, the, the the prosecutor who brought the charges on the state level um reportedly she hired a uh, 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 uh an assistant 
kind of uh, the, the services of his company and he's a love interest and he's gotten a million dollars already in state money from that state they've taken vacations together reportedly i mean the whole and this this is just you can't make this stuff up so yeah this is not democracy you don't go after the the person who right now is leading to be the next president of the united states you don't try to put him in jail also there's revelations that the biden people have met with various prosecutors um before uh, Trump had was indicted in, in in at least one of the cases, but supposedly Biden said, uh, you know, the administration said we have nothing to do with this. This is DOJ. We have, we have, we're hands off. It looks uglier and uglier. And here's more from uh, Donald Trump, uh, one fifteen. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. And if you don't, as an example, if uh, this case were lost on immunity. And I did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong. I'm working for the country. And I worked on uh, very hard on voter fraud because we have to have free elections. We have to have strong borders. We have to have free elections. Those two things almost above all. And we found tremendous voter fraud. We have a list of it. We have some findings if you want it. The press doesn't like reporting it, but we found tremendous voter fraud, determinative voter fraud. But we worked on that. That's what I was doing. And uh, they were talking about after. Well, nothing has to do with after I left. It was during the time. And that was what they really focused on today during the appeal. And they concede that and everybody concedes that. And if it's during the time, you have absolute immunity. That's the question. Does he have absolute immunity? Now, um, <laughs> they're, they're just so, so, like I said, there's, there's really two sides to this coin. On one hand, again, you can't say a president could just break the law. But on the other hand, if a, if a president signs an executive order as president and is overturned by the Supreme Court who said you had no right to do that, like Biden with student loan forgiveness, could they throw Biden in jail, put him on trial, indict him after his term because he, according to the Supreme Court, violated the law? He was overturned, but he violated the law. I mean, where, where does this where does this line get drawn? Well, funny you should say, because uh, Judge Florence Pan, one of the three judges, uh, was speaking uh, and questioning uh, Donald Trump's uh, attorney, John Sauer, and this whole exchange is so mind-boggling and at such another level. But I want you all to hear it because it's it's it, it's very important, and it it's probably what everybody's thinking. Well, if he could break the law, and can't be, a, and I should mention going into this, what Trump's attorneys wound up saying was. You ready? He could be held accountable after he's out of office if he was impeached for it while he was in office. In other words, if you break the law as a president in the office, Trump's lawyers say you can't you can't prosecute him after he's out unless he was impeached by the government, by the Congress while he was in office then you could sick the law on him 
after he's out of office. But listen to this. You ready for this? Uh, Here's cut 107. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6? He he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal prosecution. What if he weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that? Chief Justice's opinion in murder against Madison and uh, uh, and our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked a, you a yes or no, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team Six to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first, and so, so, so your answer is. Is, no. is my answer is qualified? Yes, there is a political process that would have to occur under us, the structure of our constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate in these exceptional cases. So what the what the Trump attorney is saying is he's holding this theory even to murder, assassination. If if the president of the United States ordered SEAL Team Six, a very elite U.S. military. Uh, you know, Navy SEAL squad to assassinate a political rival. Can he be prosecuted for that? And Trump's team says, yes, if he was impeached for it first. But if he wasn't impeached for it first as president, then you can't go after him once he's out of office. Now, that's the extreme, but they're saying it holds even in the extreme. But the more you think of it, some, somehow it's not that outrageous. If the president so obviously broke the law as president, you would think he'd be impeached for it, right? But what if there was a Democrat president who broke the law and he had a majority in the Senate? The House is, you know, found him, uh, impeached him or you know, found, found that it should be sent to the Senate and the Senate holds a trial and there's no way the Democrats are going to vote to impeach the guy, even though it's obvious he broke the law. So he gets out, he's, he gets out as president and he can't be touched, according to Trump's lawyers, because he wasn't impeached. But impeachment is a political process. It's not a court of law. You see the problems here? All right, more, more, more. This, this, this continues. I don't want to step on it too much. Here's 108. I've asked you a, a series of hypotheticals about criminal actions that could be taken by a president and could be considered official acts. And I've asked you, would such a president be subject to criminal prosecution if he's not impeached or convicted? And your answer, your yes or no answer is no. I, I believe I said qualified yes if he's impeached and convicted first. Uh, we so may my be saying my question the same was, thing. okay, so he's not impeached or conviction, been convicted. Let's put that aside. You're saying a president could sell pardons, could sell military secrets, could order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a, a political rival. Sale of military secrets strikes me as something that might not be held to be an official act. The sale of pardons is something that's come up historically okay. and was not prosecuted. But your brief so, says that communicating with an executive branch agency is an official act and communicating with a foreign government is an official act. That's what presidents do. So now she's taking it even further, you know, selling state secrets, uh, selling pardons, you know, doing all kinds of illegal things, including the, the murder, the assassination of a, of a political rival.
And I got to say, I mean, you know, Trump's attorneys, they, they, the attorney in this case, uh, John Sauer, he, he stuck to his guns and he seems to be, you know, in these answers, he's bringing up, well, you know, uh, sell, uh, selling pardons or the, that was addressed in blah, blah. You know, it, he does bring up constitutional defense for his claims. He does bring up various previous court decisions in his arguments. So he's not just, you know, coming in off the street with, well, you know, first we got to be impeached. And that's all he's saying. He's he's answering her questions, which get more in, in, in depth. But the, the bottom line is still the same. And it's an incredible bottom line when it comes to the thought of of assassination. Some of the other things. You know, it opens the door, like I said, Biden and the border, Obama and the drone strikes. I mean, there's a, you know, and Biden is, and and anytime he anytime a president goes to the Supreme Court for something he did and loses, does that mean he broke the law? He violated the law. The Supreme Court found he had no right to do it, whatever it is. So that means he could he could be prosecuted whenever he leaves office for all those things. I mean, Obama lost in the Supreme Court a record number of times for people who took his administration to court, to the Supreme Court. Is Obama going to wind up in jail? Well, we know the answer to that. But could he under this theory of Jack Smith's? Seems like it. Here we go with uh, cut number 109. Your position is, as I understand it, if a president is impeached or convicted, impeached and convicted by Congress, then he is subject to criminal prosecution, correct? That would be unnecessary. Is that to execution? Is that a yes? Yes. Okay. So therefore, he's not completely and absolutely immune because under the procedure that you concede, he can be prosecuted if there's an impeachment and conviction by the Senate. Very, very formidable structural check against the astonishing radical action of prosecuting a former president with official Correct, But you're conceding that presidents can be criminally prosecuted under certain circumstances. Specifically, if they're impeached or convicted, I think that's the main of the impeachment judgment. So she's making a point. On, on one hand, you're saying the president has complete immunity under the law while he's president and cannot be uh, tried for anything that he did as president. Unless he's impeached and convicted by the Congress, the House and the Senate, while he's president. Uh, again, I want to argue it makes no sense, but I could see that it does make some sense because if he did something so egregious at the time that broke the law, that people saw he broke the law at the time, then he should be impeached, right, for it. But if he's not, then why years later or a year later or when he's running for president the next time in the case of Trump, does it become an issue? I mean, this 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 was an issue right along. The Democrats kept it alive, but they didn't try to impeach him for it because, I mean, granted, it was at the end of near the end of his term, but they still could have done it. OK, here we go with 110. And isn't that also a concession that a president can be criminally prosecuted for an official act because presidents can be impeached for official acts? 
under those unique circumstances. Correct. But given that you're conceding that presidents can be criminally prosecuted under certain circumstances, doesn't that narrow the issues before us to can a president be impeached? Um, I'm sorry, can a president be prosecuted without first being impeached um, and convicted? It, 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 all of your other arguments seem to fall away. Your separation of powers arguments fall away. Your policy arguments fall away if you concede that a president can be criminally prosecuted under some circumstances. I disagree with that. The Constitution in the Article 2, Section 1 vesting clause, as interpreted very clearly by Chief Justice Marshall and Norbury against Madison, says Article 3 courts lack jurisdiction to engage in examination of the president's official acts. That's but been you reaffirmed. You conceded by- that, that Article Three courts can do so if he's been impeached and convicted. She has a she has a point. She has a point. But he's like he's no dummy. I mean, he's 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 continuing. He's not conceding, and he's like I said, he's bringing up constitutional uh, reasons for his argument. And let's uh, continue with cut one eleven. But once you concede that there's not this absolute immunity, that the judiciary can hear criminal prosecutions. Under any circumstances, you're saying there's one specific circumstance, then that means that there isn't this absolute immunity that you claim. I'm not aware of any uh, case or constitutional doctrine that would say the Constitution sets up a very strong principle and it creates a very narrow exception. And therefore, the exception just makes the the, the, the principle vanish. I, I just disagree. That's with not that. what I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. I'm saying that you're coming before us and saying that there is this absolute immunity that is grounded in the separation of powers, that the judiciary can never sit in judgment on what the president is doing, but you're conceding that that's not true because under some circumstances, the judiciary can do that. That's all I'm saying. And that seems to be the correct read on what the president's attorney is also saying. So let's get the final, uh, the final clip from this uh, exchange, cut 112. There's a very narrow exception for conviction after I, impeachment. I understand. I understand. And, and that's but a good position. It just seems to me that if once you concede that presidents can be prosecuted under some circumstances, your separation of powers argument falls away. And the issues before us are narrowed to, are you correct in your interpretation of the impeachment judgment clause? Does the impeachment judgment clause actually um, say what you you say it says. That's that's all that's really we need to decide. I respectfully disagree with that. I respectfully disagree with that. There is a strong principle. It's reinforced by Chief Justice Marshall in Marbury against Madison. He did not say we can never sit in judgment over a president's official acts, but because it could be convicted, therefore we can do it whenever we want to. He said the exact opposite. He says they are never they are never examinable by the courts. And there you have it. There you have it. And of course, this went on, not not this exchange, but the hearing went on for uh, uh, over an hour um, and Donald Trump was there. We started the show with him speaking after the fact. Uh, he also had uh, one of his attorneys was there to speak, John Lauro. And let's listen to what he had to say after the fact. Cut 113. We can't have a country where every four years there's a cycle of political recrimination where one administration attacks a prior administration when in fact that candidate is leading in the polls and will be the next president of the United States. As our legal team, as our appellate team made clear, that would be a disaster for our country. That would be a direct attack on democracy 
and that cannot happen. What was very significant today, and I'm sure you all caught it, is the special counsel conceded that Obama, who was being prosecuted for a drone strike, then they'd have to consider immunity. If it's not, when it's President Trump, then they're taking the position that there's no immunity for presidential acts that were required when a president is carrying out his job responsibilities. What the special counsel wants, if we adopt what President Biden wants, then we open the Pandora's box to political prosecution after political prosecution after political prosecution. In fact, Joe Biden could be prosecuted for trying to stop this man from becoming the next president of the United States. It's absolutely right. I mean, you, you just you just think about what what look, we are in unprecedented times. Nothing like this has ever happened. This is sick stuff. OK, they waited and waited and waited until Donald Trump was running again for president, was the uh, was sure to get the nomination and, you know, and, and, and putting up a fight in the polls at the time. Now leading Joe Biden in the polls and they're going to put him on trial again and again and again between now and the election. That is political interference. It's outrageous, it's unprecedented, and it should be called what it is. Now, now, we should also point out that no matter how this court rules or when, again, the trial is due to start March 4th, many people believe that that will obviously be postponed because no matter how this court rules, one side or the other will appeal this to the U.S. Supreme Court. So if Trump loses, it's going to the Supreme Court, who's already, by the way, agreed to hear um, the Colorado ballot case. I mean, this is this is just nuts, right? Just nuts. But there's there's several valid points. I guess you got to put aside the SEAL Team 6 assassination of a political rival. Don't make that the focal point, which we did because it was so, so unbelievable um to, for a judge and and, and the, the attorney for a former president to to go back and forth like that but again where is the line drawn if trump years later could be tried indicted and tried for something he did you know in his last year as president in conjunction and coordination with the timing of his election and his campaign now then you know, then, then any president, any president, former president, could be tried, could be indicted and tried for what they did in their administration during their time as president, and you will handcuff the presidency. You will handcuff the presidency because people will say, wait a minute. Can I order that drone strike? Can I order this? Could I do that? Can what you know? What if someone prosecutes me? What if someone? I mean, it, 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 you, a president needs protection. And I'll go back to uh, Bill Clinton real quick, and then we'll take a break, and we'll welcome in our our guest, um, uh, Bill Clinton, back when he was uh, facing his impeachment trial, and 
he had testified before a federal grand jury about Monica Lewinsky and all those things. And he he was asked, you know, if he had sexual relations with her or whatever. And he it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. And he, he lied to a federal grand jury. Uh, that's what he did. And I remember, like I said, at the time, <laughs> taking phone calls on WABC and going, it was like, wow. And well, and people said, and the Democrats said, and everybody said, well, he only lied about sex. That doesn't lessen the crime in the eyes of the law. A perjury is perjury. There's no caveat as to what it was about. Okay. But that's what the left argued. It said, well, so who wouldn't lie about sex? It's only about sex. Um, nothing ever happened to Bill Clinton. Okay. He wasn't, he was impeached, but he wasn't convicted. So again, where are we? Where are we? I think these judges are going to rule. And I don't know legally how they could do this or how far they could do it narrowly. I don't think they're going to say a president could have blanket immunity and could never be charged unless he's uh, impeached and convicted. But I do think there, to some extent, the president does deserve immunity. So there we go. That's where we are. It was quite a day, quite a quite an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half. And uh, it's been the talk of everything and everybody um, since then. We also have Michelle Obama that we're going to address with uh, with uh, Cheryl Chumley, our, our guest coming up of the uh, Washington Times in just a few minutes. And yesterday I told you that she said the thought of Donald Trump scares her so much as president again that it keeps her up at night. Well, that she said more. We're going to get to that and a lot more. I'm Steve Malsberg. Don't go away right here on TNT. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better, better lives, lives together. 
The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you back. And as promised, we uh, continue the conversation that we were having before. And we welcome in our guest. Uh, welcome back to the show, Cheryl Chumley, online opinion editor at The Washington Times, host of the Bold and Blunt podcast, author of Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. And uh, Cheryl, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Steve. Great to be with you. All right. So your take on what happened today uh, in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, the three judges, um, you give me your take first on, on, on what we saw and how you think this might be decided by that panel. Well, I, I heard Trump's attorney and Trump's statements after the hearing, and I thought they both made a couple of good points. First off, Trump's attorney was talking about how they scored in the hearing in terms of making the point that if we were talking about presidential immunity when it comes to a president uh, using a drone to take out uh, an American citizen, then would that president have presidential immunity? And it seems yes, yes he would, because in fact that is uh, exactly what happened with Barack Obama, right? when he issued the drone strike in 2011 and killed a 16-year-old American boy in Yemen, an area where we weren't even at war. And then Trump, Trump came out and made the point that this is a Pandora's box that is being opened, which I think is the takeaway theme here. We need to remember this isn't about Trump so much as it is about the state of America's law and order and constitutional integrity. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And then, of course, other people bringing up, you know, Joe Biden and the border and uh, even George W. Bush. I mean, and, and, and I, I brought up, hey, what about Biden? And uh, what if a president signs an executive order like Biden did? Uh, and then the Supreme Court says you can't do that. So that means Biden broke the law by doing that. Uh, it was overturned. So could he be uh, indicted when he's out of office, like on the student loan forgiveness or all the times Obama and the administration lost at the Supreme Court during his two terms? Could he be you know, brought up on charges for any of those? Uh, it, it is a Pandora's box. On the other hand, on the other hand, when one of the judges, uh, Justice um, um, Florence Pan, asked the Trump attorney, what if the president of the United States enlists or orders SEAL Team 6 to assassinate one of his political rivals? The argument was that unless... He was impeached and convicted for it, along with any other crime, but this too, specifically for this. Um, the answer would be no. He cannot be charged after he leaves office, which I, I, I don't know about that one. Um, what, do you, what do you, I mean, on one hand, if a president did something so egregious, naturally he'd be impeached and convicted. But politics plays into impeachment. It's not a court of law. So where, where are you? What do, what's your take on that whole? And that exchange went on for quite some time between the judge and the attorney. But the bottom line is a president cannot be indicted for something that he was not impeached and convicted for when he was president, when he leaves office. What's your take on that? 
Well, my, my take on this is I was listening to the after discussion on liberal media to see what they were saying about this court hearing. And CBS and their pundits seem to be harping on the fact that, yes, presidents have immunity, but in some certain instances, presidents don't have immunity. So it seems to me that they're ducking and dodging, trying to find the loophole where Trump is not worthy of immunity, but every other president in American history is. Look, we have a process in place for punishing presidents for crimes and misdemeanors committed while in office, and it's called impeachment. The House can impeach, the Senate can convict. And if that doesn't happen, then I don't see how we can go forward and have this circus show every time a president does something that we dislike or politically disagree with by carrying it into the private courts after his presidential term is over. No, that that that's that's an interesting take, and and there does have to be, you know, there does have to be a, a limit, absolutely, uh, and political vengeance and and retribution and you know going after a a, a political rival, um, the, the way uh, the Biden administration and the Justice Department is is doing with Donald Trump is just just uh, uh, abhorrent and unprecedented, and it's not it's not democracy, and I, probably you and I have said this a million times, and the right says it, everything the left Left accuses the right of doing they themselves do and when it comes to destroying democracy i mean what more can they do at this point to destroy democracy as we've known it than do what they're doing right now to trump and you know what's funny, Steve, is that this whole thing started about insurrection, right? That Trump sparked an insurrection. Well, as part and parcel of the final charges that uh, Smith is bringing forth, insurrection isn't among them. It's all conspiracy and it's all obstruction, but there is not a charge of insurrection. So that right there should have been the red flag for any court, any panel, any judge hearing this case to cast dubious light on what the prosecution is alleging. All right. So this is going to, no matter how this panel decides, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, I, I would imagine they'd have to take it. They get a, they have to expedite it or they, they, this trial is going to have to be postponed probably till after the election. This one is due to start uh, uh, March 4th. What about the Colorado uh, ballot? Um, of course, the Supreme Court is going to hear arguments. I think it's February 8th, if my memory serves me correctly. And they know that they've got to, you know, do something uh, one way or another quickly. Um, do you believe that um, that, you know, to me, it's a no brainer. Uh, I don't think it'll be unanimous. I think there'll be probably uh, two of the three uh, liberals will uh, vote, you know, to, to kick him off or to keep him kicked off. Maybe that's just me. What, what do you think is going to happen with uh, the Supreme Court in that that ruling? Well, I agree. To me, it does seem a no-brainer, right? But like so much that takes place in today's politics and culture, what seems a no-brainer to sane-thinking Americans, the Democrats <laughs> managed to come up with some sort of loophole to make it to make a case for their side. And I do think there are a couple of leftist judges on the Supreme Court. Uh, we we don't have to name them. We know who they are. Who will find a way to vote in favor of Colorado on this? And look, this is a travesty to have states kicking off a candidate for the president of the United States, who's not been convicted of anything. What happened to that concept in America, innocent until proven guilty? That's the key takeaway here. That's the big question. We're talking to Cheryl Chumley, online uh, opinion editor at the Washington Times here on the Steve Malzberg Show. All right. This Lloyd Austin situation I don't know what's more insane than what we've talked about or this. I mean, the Secretary of Defense has prostate cancer. 
we found out today. He goes into the hospital. He doesn't tell the president that no, nobody knows he has prostate cancer. He gets some kind of procedure, goes fine. He comes out. He has to check back in because he's got pain and discomfort or whatever. He's in intensive care for days. President doesn't know. Nobody knows he's missing. He gives the power to the assistant to secretary of defense who's in Puerto Rico, doesn't tell her he's in the hospital. She doesn't know. Nobody misses him. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. And, and nobody misses talking to Lloyd Austin. Uh, and, and, and the administration is like, well, today, after we find out the truth, which I've just given to you, well, we have to find a better way to do things and we have to find a better way to communicate and we have to find, but no, Lloyd Austin's not in trouble. No, Lloyd Austin's not gonna be fired. No, the administration's 100% behind Lloyd Austin. He's not Pete Buttigieg who could disappear for the rest of eternity and nobody would miss him. There are, how, how, Cheryl, how could this be? It's like they're one step shy of sending the janitor to the National Security Council meetings instead of lawyers. Right? So the, the, the way I look at this is that if, if this were to happen under Trump, first off, it oh. wouldn't have happened because Trump is a strong leader and he he is respected. This wouldn't even have happened under Barack Obama because there was no question under Barack Obama who was in charge in the White House. It was Barack Obama and the leftists, of course. But under Joe Biden, the big question has been since campaign days when he was in the basement, who's in charge? How can he lead? Is he mentally competent enough to lead? And so when you have the secretary like Lloyd Austin disappearing for days and nobody bothers to tell the president I see that as yet another show of how weak and ineffective this president is at leadership and also a warning bell that really he's not leading even more than we think he's not leading. Somebody right. is in charge. Somebody made that decision and it wasn't Biden. No, I'm look, I, 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 I've said, you know, I, I believe Barack Obama's in charge and and, I, you know, I think he gave it all away. We may have talked about it last time you were on when he uh, at November 2020 after the election, when he went on a late night show and they, they said to him, Colbert said, what, how would you envision a third Obama term? You can't have one. He said, well, I envision myself sitting in a basement somewhere with an, uh, a microphone and whoever's in the Oval Office has an earpiece. So that's exactly, you know, from the picking of, uh, of, of, of Kamala Harris to getting everybody else to drop out for Biden. I, I think that was all Obama. But here's the thing. The Secretary of State didn't know. I mean, it's not like, you know, Biden sleeps and is just a puppet and nobody, nobody knew. I mean, I, it, it, the, the, we, we, we got people, we got troops being fired on in Iraq. We got Houthis and Houthis and, and firing on ships in the Red Sea. We got, I mean, and, and we have no defense secretary and nobody knew. How could the man not be fired? Yeah, total, total disarray in this administration. And the fact that he's not fired, uh, that doesn't surprise me, right? Look at who they allow in their administration. You reference Pete Buttigieg. What has he done except to bungle uh, Department of Transportation? And his biggest claim to fame is calling roads racist and so forth. And so the fact that Lloyd Austin gets to keep his job, it, it doesn't surprise me. It should alarm Americans and it should make them flee any sort of Democrat in the White House in 2024. This is the biggest gift, I believe, uh, Cheryl. Uh, I said it yesterday. The biggest gift that dropped from above into the Republicans' lap if they 
take it and run with it and make use of it and and keep at it because i mean this res this has to resonate with every american and speaking of Buttigieg, um one one other thing remember he talked about how when they constructed overpasses they made it uh, low enough so that the buses i'm getting it straight the buses that carried minority students apparently they were taller so they wouldn't be able to fit under i mean we're, you know but but look at the we just had a, a plane the door blew off. A kid almost got sucked out. People got hurt. I, I Maybe it's me. I haven't seen, I mean, I know it's the FAA and all that, but I haven't heard or seen one iota of Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Is he on maternity, paternity leave? I don't know what you call it for him, <laughs> but is he raising a child, I think? I, I don't, I don't know. know. We haven't seen him in the headlines. You're right. Not at all. All right. Let's let's move on. Sorry if I interrupted. Let's go on to um, uh, Michelle Obama. I want you to hear this. This is uh, she did a podcast uh, the other day. Uh, she, she was a guest. Here's cut 106. What keeps me up are the things that I know. Mm -hmm. um, the war in the region in too many regions. What is AI going to do for us? The environment, you know, are we moving at all fast enough? What are we doing about education? Mm. Are people going to vote? And why aren't people voting? Are we too stuck to our phones? I mean, those yeah. are the things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. You know, the fact that people think that government, eh, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really even do anything. And I'm like, oh my God, does government do everything for us? And we cannot take this democracy for granted. And sometimes I, I worry that we do. Those are the things mm. that keep me up. Okay. Why is she doing this? Uh, and you heard what she said. It sounds, of course, like someone who has an interest in politics, an interest in running for something. And, you know, this the people out there, and I'm one of them who will not uh, eliminate the rule out the possibility that uh, she whether it's at the convention or after Biden drops out, which I think he will, that Obama, Barack, will be choosing her. I don't know, you know, the black vote slipping away from the Democrats, this might bring it back. What, what do you, what's your take on why she did this interview? Well, first off, does anybody really believe that she stays up at night worrying about these issues? Because <laughs> I, I doubt that very much. So maybe she is making a political run because she's getting in order her lies, right? She's putting on her <laughs> lying face for for the run. So there, there has been a book written um, about Michelle Obama will be running for president. Uh, there, are, there, there have been many... Uh, smart analysts who think that she indeed will be running. And it it does appear that it looks like she's taking steps into that political realm. But she said consistently that she has no interest in being president. And look, here's my thought on it. If she were to run, I think America should fear because she is a candidate who could drive out not just the minority vote, but a lot of independent voters who would vote for Michelle Obama just to have that new feeling of a woman being president. They want to be part of that history. And I think Trump would have a really difficult time uh, campaigning against 
against her with success. I think she's the one candidate, even more than Gavin Newsom, that, that the Democrats could win the White House in 2024 on. Now, I, I, I hate to say that I agree totally with your analysis, and I'd rather see a Nikki Haley at, the, at, at that point. If it is Michelle Obama, at least it's woman against woman. And, and uh, you know, I, I think Nikki Haley would wipe the floor with her in any kind of debate, to be honest with you. I can't see Michelle Obama debating. But, but let me read you something that else that she said, according to USA Today, uh, I believe in that, in that podcast, uh, talking about Trump's indictments, multiple indictments, and the fact that he's still running for president. Uh, she said, um, other people can be indicted a bunch of times and still run for office. Black men can't. You just learn to be good. And in the end, you benefit from that extra resilience. First of all, black man can't? Has a black man ever tried? Has there ever been a situation like this in history ever? I mean, what she's just saying in her opinion, a black man can't. But if there was a black man president, a, a black man who was elected president like her husband, served only one term and then was indicted and tried to run again, um, he could. No one would stop him. He may not win. But why is she why is she bringing that up? Why is she playing the race card here? Dumb yeah. question, maybe. It's always the race card. And and let's be serious. Uh, I, I can't remember his name, but there was that crackhead black uh, mayor in D.C. who was council member. And then Marion Mar 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 <laughs> Barry, right? Marion Barry. Yeah. yeah, I got caught smoking crack with prostitutes, reelected, smoked some more crack. So, uh, you know, the, there is a different standard, but I would call it a Republican versus Democrat standard with the media behind the Democrats. So the real question here is about media bias and the fact that in this White House, we have a weaponized Department of Justice that is targeting Donald Trump because they hate the MAGA. Uh, they hate the MAGA agenda and they want to put it to rest uh, forevermore. And so I, I disagree with Michelle Obama, but she's famous for throwing the race card, just as Hillary Clinton is famous for throwing the gender card. Yeah, it's going to be a wild ride, uh, as you know, Cheryl. So um, hang on. And we look forward to reading uh, your, your takes at uh, uh, Washington Times. And uh, of course, so we'll listen to the, uh, the Bold and Blunt podcast and the book, folks. Don't forget Lockdown, the socialist plan to take away your freedom. Cheryl Chumley, thank you. I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. OK, folks, there you go. Crazy, right? Crazy on so so many levels. We should have a vote, uh, a, a poll. Which story is this the the sickest? I mean, if if I was paid to write fiction, make believe stories, you know, the wildest kinds of things I could think of, there would be that Michelle Obama would wind up being the candidate. Uh, you know, after Biden drops out and here she's crying racism, it would be that, you know, Donald Trump is is facing three, four trials between now and the election. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. Right. But it's a reality. It is reality. OK, and we'll have more reality because we have one final segment left in the hour. Uh, I'm Steve Malzberg. Don't go away right here on TNT. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. 
Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. residential areas by... And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. I tell my son, I love you every single day. Now, my dad has never said that to me. Not because he doesn't love me, but because culturally it wasn't comfortable for him. Now that he's a grandfather, he says I love you to my son every time he sees him. My advice to all the fathers out there, forget the cultural restrictions. They grow up way too fast for you to waste even a single precious moment. You're with Steve Malsberg on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. Um, don't forget tomorrow, same time. Um, and you could follow me on Twitter, of course, at Steve M. Talk or at Malsberg Show and uh, on Facebook.com. It's uh, dot Steve M. Talk and Instagram, Steve M. Talk. You get the message, right? You get the, uh, the, the, the way it goes. Okay, so let me, uh, let me let you watch something. You know that in various cities around the country here in, in the United States, uh, Palestinian protesters, um, uh, those in support of, of uh, those against Israel, have uh, blocked streets, blocked airports, you know, and, and, and it, it, it's really getting people ticked off. They're not winning any sympathy by doing this. I think they're, they're turning people who might be open to listening to them against them. Here's an example of that. Uh, this, was, um, this was either the Brooklyn Bridge or the Manhattan Bridge in New York City. On the Manhattan side, they both go from Manhattan, which is what people refer to as the city, to Brooklyn, which is also part of New York City. There are five boroughs. Okay. Anyway, so uh, this is a, a black man in a car who's wants to go to has to get over the bridge to go see his daughter in Brooklyn, and he's not having any of this. Uh, here is cut one sixteen. make it perfectly clear i do not advocate violence or touching anybody i don't i just showed you what he did 
And um, what there should be there are police officers in anticipation of something like this, because it happens all the time at a bridge. Um, and they should be the ones arresting and getting those people out of the way. I don't know how many police officers were there. I didn't see any. I don't if they were there, they weren't doing anything. But um, again, they're not making any friends by doing this uh, because what, what did this guy do? What did this guy do? He's got to go, people got to go to work. People have to go to the hospital, to doctor appointments. You know, I mean, um, this is unacceptable. And I blame, I blame the people who run the city and cities that allow this to happen. They should know by now it's going to happen. Make sure the entrances to the airports aren't blocked. Have police there. Bring the National Guard. Same with bridges and tunnels. It happens every day in New York. What? The authorities, the, 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 the Democrat-run city of New York, the mayor, they're shocked every time it happens? I mean, if you don't have law enforcement, if you don't have rules or regulations, you really don't have anything. You really don't have anything. Okay, now, uh, what I want to do is I would like to... Um, skip and go to in a minute we're going to skip and go to uh number 89 okay this folks is the usa junior hockey team last weekend they beat the home team of sweden to win the gold medal good for them congratulations to them very proud of what they did you recall when the u.s women's national soccer team played in the world cup and in you know overseas and and different places for years but most recently in the world cup half the team kneeled or didn't sing the national anthem or bowed their heads and didn't respect it because they're skunks and they don't believe they don't belong to be representing the united states of america if you're not going to respect the united states of america get the hell off the team that's representing the United States of America. But I want you to watch these guys on the junior team. Uh, here's cut number uh, Look at them. I am so proud that they won. And I am so proud that they, look, they, they, of course, they're going to sing the national anthem. The overwhelming, I mean, I've never, you know, I've never seen it happen in the National Hockey League where they don't <laughs> or in yeah, amateur hockey. It's only these, uh, these political activists that invade places like the, you know, women's soccer and other, other sports and, you know, the kneeling and Colin Kaepernick and, and uh, the Black Lives Matter and the, the WNBA where they didn't come out on the court, you know, for the national anthem. They stayed in the locker room. Disgusting disgraces. All right, folks, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Again, tomorrow, same time, same place. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, 9 p.m. Be back here. With me, Steve Malsberg on TNT.